Good morning, good morning. Let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Really fascinating daf. Begin by thanking this morning's sponsors. To thank our share sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Sivan, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin. We're dedicating all the Shur Midrashos this month in the Zichus of Shalema for their niece, Chava Tzipora, Bas Chaya Malka. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, she together with Kol Chol Yisrael have a complete and enduring refuah. And we thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Caesar and Esther Mizrahi, for dedicating the Shir, the Eloi Nishmas, their father Shlomo ben Miriam. Zichron Lebrach, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, he Shamashtav and Aliyah, and the family Einachama. Well, with that, let us begin. Thank you, Tribe Kalman Akiva, for giving a wonderful share yesterday. Today's daf is Tzadik Zion 97. And we are picking up, uh, let's pick up on the bottom of Tzadik Vav Ahmed Beis. So I'll say, let's, uh, let's pick up, let's pick up Rabbi Yochanan. Three lines are from the bottom. Rabbi Yochanan, my time kapit kulehai. So most remember, again, we saw the incredible exchange in yesterday's Gemara that Rabbi Eliezer went ahead and said over, Rabbi Lazar, excuse me, went over and said over a teaching in the base Madrash. And Lamaisa, he did not go ahead and mention it in the name of his Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan got very upset. So there was a whole effort to try to go ahead and placate Rabbi Yochanan. So says the Gemara, why did Rabbi Yochanan get so upset? In other words, I understand at the end of the day, Rabbi Lazar relayed over a teaching, and he did not convey it over in the name of his Rebbe. He didn't convey it over in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So I will say, but still at the end of the day, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi will say, well, you see this Gemara, and it almost seems a little what? Seems a little what? Seems a little petty. It does. When you look at it, it seems a little petty that Rabbi Yochanan would get so upset over the fact that a teaching, that a ruling was not given over in his name. So what's the pshat? So I will say three lines up from the bottom, 96b. But Rabbi Yochanan, my time, Makapet Kulehai. Rabbi Yochanan, why are you getting all upset? Why are you getting all upset about the fact that the ruling was not given over in your name? Rabbi say a profound Gemara. Then Rabbi Yudamarav, my Dixiv, what's the meaning when David Amalek writes in Tehillim? What's the meaning of the Pasik where David Amalek says, Agura Baholcha Olamim, Sela. So we'll say, so literal translation is, I will dwell in your tents, plural. For eternity, I will find, literally, I'll, I'll hide myself or cover myself in your wings forever. So we'll say, so what's the pshat? Ask the Gemara. Could a person live in two worlds? In other words, when David HaMelech says, Hashem, let me dwell in your tents. So the Gemara is already understanding that metaphorically, the tent is a reference to a domicile to a world, to a level of existence, could a person go ahead and simultaneously live in two worlds? Is that, is that possible? And I will say, to, more colloquially as we say, you can't dance at two chasanas, right? They can't be in two places at the same time. So what is David HaMelech asking from Hashem? And I will say, listen to how beautiful this is. David says, here is my request. Here is my request. Top of Tzadik Zayim. Hashem, my request is, my request is that please let, let, when I die, when I die, let them say over Torah in my name. Say over Torah in my name. So when when I'm not here in this world, when I'm living in the other Ohel, I'm living in the, living in the tent of Olam Haba, 
Let them say over my Torah in Olam Azeh. Why, Rabbi Yossi, listen to how beautiful and profoundly magnificent this is. Because Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rashbi, name of Rashbi, Anytime you say over, anytime you say over the words of a Tamut Chacham in this world, Sivsosav Dovavos Bekever. Bosi, listen to this. The lips of the Tamut Chacham move in the grave. So every single time you say over something in the name of a Tamut Chacham, his lips move in the grave. So the idea is, look at Rashi, top Rashi, Tzadik Zayinam Bebeis, Sheyomru Dvar Shmua Mepi Ba'olam Azeh, Shusif Sefasai Noos Bekever Ki'ilu Anichai. So let's first say what David HaMelech is saying and then let's try to analyze. So David HaMelech is saying, so remember, Gemara is asking Rabbi Yochanan, why are you getting all upset that Rabbi Lazar did not say over a teaching in your name? Right? Rabbi said, it almost, it almost seems like it's about COVID, like it's about ego. So Rabbi Yochanan, what are you getting all upset about? See, so Rabbi said, here's what he's getting upset about. David HaMelech says, Hashem, I want to dwell in your tents, which means Hashem, Gemara is understanding, I, mean, I want to dwell in Olam Azeh, and Olam Abba at the same time. Aye, but how could a person dwell in Olam Azen and Olam Abba at the same time? To which David HaMelech says, that when I leave this world, I want them to say over Torah in my name. Why? Because Lemaisa, when you say over Torah in the name of a great person who is no longer in this world, their lips, their lips move in the grave. And in that moment when their lips move in the grave, it's as if they are simultaneously living on two levels. They exist in Olam Haze in this world. The Torah that's being said, the lips moving in the grave, and the neshama existing in the olam ha'emes. So I will say, that's what Rabbi Yochanan was so incredibly makbid about. He wanted eternality. He wanted life. So if his Torah was not being said over in his name in this world, although his neshama would be eternal, he loses out on the opportunity to continuously and perpetually exist in Olam Azza as well. I'll bring you back one moment. Take a look at Tzadik's Vav Amadeis. There's a beautiful Tosas. Tosas writes over here, Agura Ba'olcha Olamim. Hashem, I will dwell in your tents for eternity. When a person's in the Shama, is in the, the Yeshiva Shamalo, the, the celestial Yeshiva, Sifsosav Noos Bekever. Lips move in the grave. Kilo Medabros, as if he is speaking. Nimsa. And it turns out, Rabbi say that in one moment, a person is simultaneously living in two worlds. Now, say you understand, of course, the Gemara is a metaphor within a metaphor. Why? Because think about this in just a moment. Lips moving in the grave works fine as long as what? Right? The body hasn't decomposed. But Lamaisa, no matter, right? It's not, okay, so you could know, they say that the bodies of Tzadikim don't decompose. Okay, but I will say, but, but, but Lemaisa, Lemaisa, again, it's, it's a metaphor within the metaphor. Obviously, it doesn't literally mean the lips are moving in the grave. What it's talking about over here, I will say, is that when you say something over in the name of a Talmud Chacham, name of a Talmud Chacham, so ultimately what you're doing is you are creating for them a legacy in this world that transcends their lifetime. That transcends their lifetime. So Lemaisa, again, in that moment when you're seeing something over the name of Tam Chacham, they're living in two worlds. 
in that moment, they're living in two worlds. Their neshama is alive and well in Olam Haba, and their Torah is alive and well in this world. And that provides them with incredible eternality. So I will say, that's what Rabbi Yochanan was fixated on. I want eternality in this world as well. And so he was makbid that if you're going to both say, by the way, this we have another Gemara, right? What's the other Gemara? Kala Omer Davar B'Shem Omro, Mevi Geula Li'olam. When you say something over in the name of the person who said it, you bring Geula to the world. Now you can appreciate there's a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different take on that Gemara. When you say something over in the name of someone, you're bringing Geula. Geula for who? Geula for what? Geula for what? How else you're bringing Geula for that Neshama? Because when you say something over in the name of a person who said it, you're redeeming them, you're bringing them a sense of Geula. Because in that moment, they get the opportunity to exist in two worlds. In Olam Haba and Olam Haza in the very same moment. I will say, let's finish the Gemara and then I'll, I'll share with you another idea. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak ben Zira, Shimon Nizira, Maikra. I will say, what's the Pasuk that highlights this dynamic? That when you say something over in the name of a tzaddik in this world, his lips move in the grave. So, Gemara over here quotes the Pasuk from Shir Hashirim. V'chikech kiyayin hatov, holich l'dodilam esharam dovev sifse yeshenim. So, I will say, so literally means his palate is like good wine. Listen to this. So I will say, we compare the tzaddik to a cluster of grapes. So the Gemara says, take a ripened cluster of grapes. So what happens? The moment you press your finger to it, what occurs? The juice oozes out. So I will say, so ultimately, again, when you say something over in their name in this world, their lips move in the grave. In other words, they're comparing the touching of the clusters to the saying over of the Torah. Just like when you touch the clusters, the juice oozes out. When you say over the Torah of a tzaddik, ultimately, again, their lips move in the kever. I will say, so there's so many incredible takeaways from this Gemara. Number one, I will say, the idea that a person has to leave a legacy. A person has to leave a legacy. You know what I'm saying? I will tell you, as someone who attends a lot of Levias, it's always, I know, not the life of the party, but, but you know, but, but, but it, it's interesting to see what the legacy that people leave over. It's interesting to see the legacy that people leave over. And sometimes, I'm being honest, you go to a Levaya and you say to yourself, that's it? Like, that's what this person's family remembers about them? That's obviously, you can't sum up an entire life in one hespid. But Lemaisa, that's it. Out of, out of a whole lifetime, this is what you remember about your parent? This is what you remember about your, Like, that's the legacy? Srebosai, depending on the legacy you leave for your children, you could live in two worlds. If you leave a legacy of Torah, if when your children think about you, they think about the real lessons you taught them, not the stuff you say, because the stuff you say, remember, we all say a lot of stuff, but the lessons you taught them, both through what you said, but how you lived. And if when you leave this world, your child could say, you know what? My parent stood for something. And here's the lesson they stood for. Here's the Torah they stood for. Here's the ideals they didn't just speak about, but they lived. 
And that inspires my children, my community, my family to follow in those ways. They will say that means every single time someone from your mishpacha lives based on your ideas and ideals, your lips move in the kever. You live in two worlds. I will say that is the power of leaving a legacy of ruchnius, of leaving a legacy of Torah. You have the opportunity to literally live in two worlds at the same time. And I will say it's an overwhelming thing because think about it for just a moment. And again, it's not a pleasant thought, but it's important to sometimes contemplate if we were to leave the world today, if we were to leave the world today, What's the legacy I've left for my children? What have I left? M- money's great. Money's great. Financial security is fantastic. Always important. Always important. What's the legacy I have left? And I will say that is a very, something we have to think about. Because Lemaisa, again, both for our families, but also for ourselves. Because who amongst us doesn't want to be able to live in two worlds at the same time? And when you leave behind Torah, that's what you get. A legacy in two sides, ability to live. Olam haza, olam haba at the same time. And I will say just the carlar and then we're going to go on. Is I will say, the real legacy you leave behind is your ruchnius. At the end of the day, anything material is great. But material things come and go. The real legacy a person leaves behind is the ruchnius that they have amassed in this world. That's the Yerusha you leave behind. And if your children appreciate that Yerusha and they live that Yerusha, they give you eternality in two worlds. Such an incredible Gemara. So much more to say about it, but let's go weiter. Achad bentes sharim. So remember again, the Mishnah that went on and the Mishnah said so, so interestingly that whether you have a boy who's nine years old in one day or for that matter again, or for that matter again, even older, if you don't have two sorrows, if you don't have two hairs, right, then a person is considered to be a katan. Then I will say, what the Mishnah sets up is the possibility that you could have someone who's 20 years old and still has the halachic designation of a katan. So says the Gemara Urminu, is that true? Ben Esm Shana Shalohevi Shte Saros, if you have a man who's 20 years old who didn't bring two hairs, Yavi Uraya Shuban Esrim Vuhu Asris. So we'll say he brings a raya that he really is 20 years old. And ultimately, we understand he's not a katan, but rather what? He's a sris. We spent a lot of time speaking about the sris. Therefore, again, doesn't do doesn't do chalitza. So we'll say similarly again, if you have a girl, a woman who's 20 years old and she has not produced signs of physical maturation, bring a raya that she's 20. And she's an islandess. So again, what do you see from here? You see from here that at the age of 20, we wouldn't look at this man or as this woman as a katan or a kitano. We would look at him as a sris. This contradicts the Mishnah. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Different case. They will say that's a situation where Lemaisa, again, there are other signs that point to the fact that this person is a sris. So I will say there's two cases. There's one case where just the person exhibits no signs of physical maturation and Lemaisa, again, no simani sris. In that case, they can be, they can be considered a katan. But Lemaisa, if a person goes ahead and has no signs of physical maturation and has simani sris, then what? At the age of 20, they'll be redesignated as a sris or as an islandist. And I will say, what's the ramification of being designated as a sris or an islandist? A sris or an islandist is what? is a gadol. 
is an adult. A katan is a katan. To which the Gemara says, V'chilo noldulo siman isres. Ad kama. The boss is very interesting. See, here's the question. What happens if you have a man who just, and bore a woman for that reason, who just exhibits no signs of physical maturation, but also no simani sris? Remember again, the simani sris, we spoke of this in the Gemara. Simani sris, like say for a man, could be a very high-pitched voice. Or the Gemara says when he urinates, he doesn't urinate in an arc. There's no arc. So let's say, so let's say again, he has no signs of physical maturation, but also no signs of sriskite, right? So what's his status? What's his status? So in other words, in other words say, up until what point in time, you can't be a katan forever. I will say, by the way, that is a very important lesson. You can't be a katan forever, right? At a certain point in time, you have to grow up and you have to be a gadol. So now I will say, now it's great. On, on a physical level, you have to show some signs of physical maturation. On an emotional level, you have to show some signs of, of, of emotional maturation. But Lamaisa, up until what age, you know, could a person, I don't know, there has to be a cutoff point where you say, okay, you're a gadol, you're a gadol. So we'll say, how, how old? So Tani Beri Ad Rov Shnosov. When you reach the majority of your years, they're both say, what's the majority of your years? 36. 36, right? We, again, we assume that the lifespan of a person like David Amalek says is 70 years. So the majority of your years is 36. So interestingly enough, if a person reaches the age of 36, has not gone ahead and exhibited signs of, phys- of physical maturation, but has also not exhibited signs of being a sris, at that point in time, we treat them like a gadol who has just failed to physically mature. To which the Gemara said, just very interesting, when somebody would come before Rava, right, and ultimately, again, they look at Rashi, sometimes Rava would have this Shaila, somebody would come to Rava, and they'd be 20 years old, and they would not have any signs of physical maturation. So how would Rava deal with the Shaila? It's very interesting. So if, if a person was very thin, Rava would tell them, put on some weight. Put on some weight. If a person was overweight, lose some weight. Well, say, interestingly enough, sometimes, sometimes failure to produce signs of physical maturation could be a result of the fact that the body is not in equilibrium. Person's too thin, person's too obese. So therefore, again, Rava would tell them to kind of get their body in shape. And then before, so before we make any declarations, before we make any declarations, let's go ahead and make sure that your body is in is in the right state of being. Which of us says is, is an interesting is an interesting thing that what Rava was saying is that sometimes, sometimes when things are not going right in life, often the reflexive reaction is what? Is what? To kind of look externally. Right? Who's who's at fault? What's misfiring? What's going on? And Rava's saying sometimes when things are not going right in life, the first order of business is introspect. Am I too thin? Am I too fat? Right? What's 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 going? What's what's going? Some again, I will say such an incredible yisur. When things are not going the way they should be, it's tempting to assign blame. But really, the first step 
is to look inward, introspect, look at myself. What am I doing and have I created or am I perpetuating this broken state of affairs? Incredible Musar. Hadron Allah, Haisha Rabba. Good, Mazel Tov, I'll say Mazel Tov. No sin ala nusav ala mafuta. Right, so I'll say, so next case. So I'll say, so now we're going to talk about an interesting case. So no sin ala nusav ala mafuta. So what does this mean? Look at Rashi. No sin ala nusav ala mafuta. La'achar sha'anas upita es ha'isha. So I'll say, if a man goes ahead and violates or seduces a woman, mutar li sabita va'achosa vi'ima. You're allowed to marry, you're allowed to marry her daughter, her sister, or her mother. Otherwise, you'll say, remember again, normally you marry a woman, you marry a woman, these women, mother, daughter, sister, are going to be Arias. This is talking about a case where you violated a woman or seduced a woman, not married to her, not married to her. Salah Chalamaisa, these immediate relatives are not usher to you. You're permitted to marry them. So, no sin Allah, nusa bala mafuta. Haones va mafata al hanasua. If a man is married to a woman and ultimately again would go ahead and seduce or violate either her mother, her daughter, or her sister, then there would be liability in those cases. No se adam, no se adam, a person could marry anusas aviv umafutas aviv. A woman violated by his father or seduced by his father. We actually had this kimara before. Right, Anusas Bunamufudas Bino. Similarly, he's allowed to marry a woman who was seduced or violated by his son. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Banusas Aviv Umufutas Aviv. Rabbi Huda, I'm sorry, Rabbi Huda Oser, Banusas Avmufudas Aviv. Rabbi Huda says, No, you're not allowed to marry the woman marry, the woman violated or seduced by your father. Okay, so I'll say, so that's the Mishnah. That's the Mishnah. The Chiddush of the Mishnah being that Allah Chalamai saw, if you violate or seduce a woman, so her immediate relatives are not usher to you. The only time that those immediate relatives become usher is when? In a marital context. So I'll say, by the way, I'll, ju- I'll just mention, you know, Menachem, Menachem, we were talking yesterday after, after Rabbi Kovacs this year, and, you know, you, you learn your vomit, so I'll say, and the truth is, Menachem had a good point. You know, sometimes, you know, you come home and your wife asks you, so what did you learn? So what did you learn? Like, uh, so first of all, today is very good because you have a good piece of agarita, right? Good. So you're, you're, you're covered. You're covered for today. Let's say, so, you know, it, it is interesting that like, and by the way, it's going to get pretty, pretty dicey today, right? So, so it, it, it is interesting how like we're spending all of this time discussing who you could sleep with, who you can't sleep with, if you slept with that one, you slept with this one. It, it, it seems like lahabdil, like whatever, like certain, whatever. And I say, so, 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 like, what is this? What, and, and really, like, is, it, is this happening? Is it, so, so, people are people. So stuff happens, all kinds of stuff happens, and we should never for a moment think that like, okay, some of these, some of these cases hopefully never happen, right? But, but Lamai said to think that Cloud Israel doesn't struggle with matters of immorality, right? We, we, we'd be burying our head in the sand. That, that's absolutely not true. And I will say, but understand what these Gemaras are focused on are creating a moral construct for us. And understand what makes Klal Yisrael, Klal Yisrael is moral purity. See, I both say, what distinguishes us from every other nation in the world, and I both say, you see this happening now societally, is that we have a strict moral code. And, and a strict code regarding, regarding sexual morality. Because at the end of the day, without that code and without that system, that is how societies become debased 
and societies, societies fundamentally unravelable. I don't we see this happening now in our greater society around us. The ground is always shifting, right? What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? What's moral? What's immoral? And you look around and sometimes it seems like there's no more morality. It's whatever you want. It's whatever you choose. And no one has a right to go ahead and stand in judgment of anyone else's choices. You have to respect people for whatever the choices they make, but you don't have to accept those choices as correct, as right, or as moral. So we go through painstaking detail to highlight what's mutter, what's usr, what's moral, what's immoral. I will say, you see a Mishnah like this, really? We're talking about if you violate a woman, or you, right, you violate a woman, are you permitted to marry her sister? her mother, or her daughter. Well, chances are, if you're violating a woman, you're probably not all that concerned with the other halachas as well. So first of all, it's not necessarily true, right? Everyone has their weaknesses, right? And I'm saying, in all seriousness, just because a person commits one Avera, otherwise, we all commit Averas, right? If it was an all-or-nothing approach, we'd all be in big trouble. But I'm say, but again, the takeaway is, there's a system of morality. There's right and there's wrong. And without a system of morality, we disappear into the abyss of the immoral. That's the entire takeaway of Mesechus Yevamis. There's a framework of what's right and what's wrong. And it's that framework of what's right that's wrong that has kept us throughout the ages because as every single other society moves the moral compass in whatever direction they want, we don't. And the fact that we don't is what has kept us throughout the ages and will keep us until the coming of Mashiach. Says the Gemara. So we'll say, here we go. Anas Isha Sabita. So we'll say, now listen to this. If a man violated a woman, you're permitted to marry her daughter. Nasa Isha Sabita. But obviously, once you marry a woman, her daughter is off limits to you. Now, Bose is talking about obviously her daughter from a different marriage, not, not, your, not your biological daughter. Her daughter is also to you. said, this is very interesting, Allah. If there are rumors that a particular man had a, had, had a sexual relationship with a woman, it's a rumor. It's a rumor. You're not allowed to marry her mother, her daughter, or her sister. What are we concerned about? We're concerned that because there may be a relationship between this man and this woman, if he marries her mother, daughter, or sister, he may still continue that relationship with her. So the Gemara says, so, so, the, say, so that's a case, ultimately, again, even a non-marriage case, just where there's a rumor, there's a rumor that Ruvain had a relationship with Rachel, and as a result, he's not allowed to marry Rachel's mother, sister, or daughter. Yet our Mishnah said that what? even if Ruvain violated Rachel, he's permitted to go out and marry her mother, her sister, or her daughter. To which the Gemara says, you're right, Midrabanon. That's not Midrabanon. Okay, so I will say, so now what you're saying is, anytime a man had a sexual relationship with a woman, perhaps Midrabanon, he's Asr to her mother, her sister, or her daughter. But yet our Mishnah says, no sin. No sin says, even Lechatchila. To which the Gemara says, misa. What is the Mishnah talking about? The Mishnah is talking about after the death of the woman. So the Mishnah's case is where a man violated a woman. Right? So technically speaking, he is Asr bin Dirabanan to marry her, her sister, mother, or daughter. But once she dies, he is permitted to go out and marry these women. To which the Gemara says, So from where do we know this halacha? The Tan Rabbanon, Bekula Ne'emar Shriva, Bekan Ne'emar Kicha. So we'll say very interesting halacha. In general, when it comes to Arayos, 
the way arayos are phrased are shchiva, that you're not allowed to have relations with arayos. But interestingly enough, when it comes to the relatives of one's wife, so mother, sister, daughter, the Torah phrases it as kicha, teaching me that the only time that the mother, sister, or daughter of a particular woman are usher to me is when, is when, when I'm married to that woman. But if I'm not married to her, even if I've had a sexual relationship with her, right, Lemaisa again, her mother, sister, and daughter are not asura to me. The Torah Torah to teach you that the only time that a mother, sister, a mother, sister, daughter become usher is when you're married to that particular woman. But if there was any other kind of sexual relationship, ultimately they were not being isher to these other women. To which the What about a sister? Where the pasuk says ish asheikach es achoso bas aviv o bas imo. the Torah talks about a man kiyikach. When he has relations with his sister, could it mean hachanami derech kiyichohuda aser derech shchiva shari? Are you telling me that Hanavos said that it's only aser to have relations with your sister if you married her, but not if you just stam had relations with her? Amarlevi kuchin ksivu b'torah stam harei likiyicha kiyicha harei lishchiva shchiva. Hanavos said Torah uses lotion of yikach stam. Sometimes yikach means kiddushin, and sometimes yikach just means relations. Rava Amar Rava says. Anas Isha, Mutar Lisa Bita Mehacha. Strava says the Mishnah is ruling Rabosa. So remember again, understand what the Mishnah is saying. The Mishnah, a man violates a woman, he is permitted to go ahead and marry her mother, sister, daughter. What's the novelty in that? The novelty in that is if you're married to a woman, you're not allowed to marry her mother, sister, daughter. You might have thought that violating a woman gives you the same status almost as marrying her. Kamash Malon, it does not. So Rebbe says, I'll, t- I'll prove this halacha from another place. Mehacha, ksiv ervas bas bincho bas bitchalo sigale. Pasik says, literally again, the daughter, the daughter of your son or the daughter of your, or the daughter of your daughter is an erva to you. So the Gemara says, ha bas bina dida u bas bita dida gali. But it sounds like, again, the daughter of her daughter or the daughter of her son, your wife's son, should be permitted. As bas minav, as bas bita lo sikach. I, the Pasuk says, you're not allowed to. One is talking about a case of violation, and one is talking about a case of marriage. They both say, when you are married to a woman, all of these other relationships become usher to you. Right? So when you're married to a woman, her mother, daughter, her mother, sister, daughter, as well as, as well as what? Her daughter's daughter, her son's daughter, all become usher to you. But when it was a case of violation, there is no marital relationship, and therefore what? All of these other women remain permitted to the perpetrator. I, Epochana, I can switch it around. I'm sorry. Ultimately, again, Arayos used the word She'er. She'er means a relative. Ultimately, it's only in a case of marriage does someone become your relative. In a case of Onsen, ultimately, there is no relative. Again, the first piece of Halacha Lamaisa that comes out over here is as follows. That Halacha Lamaisa. If you go ahead and you violate a man, violates a woman, Ruvain violates Rachel, he is permitted to marry her mother, her sister, and her daughter. What's the novelty in that? The novelty in that is that these are normally women who are prohibited when? In the context of a marriage. So in a marriage, a man, Ruvain marries Rachel, 
he's not allowed to marry her mother, her sister, her daughter. Not only that, he also can't marry who or can't have relations with who? Her daughter's daughter or her son's daughter. But if Ruvain violates Rachel, he's permitted ultimately again to all of these women. All of these women. I will say, interestingly enough, another halacha that comes out is that if a man is rumored to have had a sexual relationship with a woman, he is not permitted to marry her relatives midrabanon, which is very interesting. So let's say there's not a case of violation, but there's rumors that Reuven is carrying on a sexual relationship with Rachel. Midrabanon, we say, don't marry Rachel's mother, sister, or daughter, even though those are legal relationships. Why not? Because we're concerned that if he marries any of these women, he may continue his relationship with Rachel. Interesting, Allah. Good. Weiter. Rabbi Yehuda Oser Ba'anusa Savas. Well, Rabbi Yehuda says that Allah a woman violated by one's father or seduced by one's father is going to be Aser. Says the Imam Amrav Gidal Amrav, my time is Rabbi Yehuda. What's Rabbi Yehuda's logic? The Pasik says, Lo yikach ish es eshes aviv, knaf aviv. A man should not take his father's wife, nor shall, nor shall he uncover the corner of his father's garment. What does that mean? Knaf shera aviv lo yigale. Literally, again, the garment that saw his father. That's a reference to a woman with whom his father had relations with, the son should not have relations with. So therefore, a woman violated or seduced by one's father, the son should not marry such a woman. No, the Pasek is talking about a woman violated by the father. Because it was said, the Pasek immediately preceding it says, the Pasek immediately before it is talking about a case of violation. But Rabbanon, the Rabbanon would say, if that Pasek was really immediately juxtaposed, I would agree with you. But I will say that Pasek of violation is actually not immediately juxtaposed. But it comes to Pesukim beforehand. And either Pasek for a different Drasha. What's the Drasha? The Pasek is actually talking about a woman who is waiting for Yibum from one's father. And the Pasek comes to teach me that a shomeres yavam of my father is a surah to me. To which the Gemara says, Umay knaf aviv, knaf haroi aviv lo yigala. Torah is telling me that Allah is a woman who is fit for my father, which means the yavama. Right? So if a woman is waiting for yibam from my father, I'm not allowed to have relations with that woman. To which the Gemara says, that's kind of obvious. Do you know why? We both say, do you know why I can't have relations with a woman who is waiting for Yibam from my father? Because you know what we call her? My aunt. Right? So I will say, remember again, if a woman is waiting for, for Yibam from my father, that means it's what? It's my father's brother's wife. My father's brother is my uncle. His wife is my aunt. An aunt is an erva. To which the Gemara says, you're right. Comes to go ahead and make you chayiv shnei lavin. Once for aunt, and once for Shomeras Yavim of the father, I have a shuk. But there's another problem. When a woman is waiting for Yibam, Rabbi say, then what? Then what? She's a surah to everyone. Everyone. To which the says, you're right. Lavra Bishlosha Lavin. Mamish, not worth it. Right? So I'll say, three Lavin. Right? Three Lavin. Right? One, the aunt. Number two, the father's Yavama. Number three, Yavama Lashuk. The other possibility is the Achamisa. Ultimately, again, I'll say, what's the case? The case could be after the death of the father. So now after the death of the father, Rashi points out over here, there's no longer a din of Yivam because assuming the father was the only Yavam, this woman is not permitted to marry anyone else. 
Lachamisa. So the Gemara says, right, Lachamisa. Fine, let's stop there. Lachamisa. If you look at the last Rashi, you're going to die. Lachamisa. Shemis Oviv Deleka Lav Divamaloshok. Vogmaka. So we'll say, if the father dies, then Halacha Lamaisa. Halacha Lamaisa. There's no longer an Isra Bivamaloshok because she's no longer subject to Yibam. But she is still a woman who is fit for Yibam to my father. And what? She's still my aunt. Okay. Now we'll say, now we're going to do a very, very interesting Gemara. I will say, so first of all, take a look at Rashi before we even look at Rashi. So here, I will say, we're going to go through, watch this. Ach me'av, ach me'av, velo me'em. So I will say, these are a series of riddles, Arias riddles. Who doesn't love a good Arias riddle? So I will say, right? So listen to this. This is actually pretty wild. So Rashi says over here, look at the first Rashi before we get into it. Mashalos hein. These are mashalos. These are riddles. Mashal usually means like a parable. Here it means a riddle. Mashal is saying, people, people, were, people commonly said these. I have no idea which people commonly said this. But look at Tosis. Tosis says, Oh, here's what's interesting. See, according to Rashi, Rashi understands that these riddles, Arias riddles that we're about to get into now, People just sit over riddles. Some people like riddles. Tulsa says, no. These riddles are both, they actually were set over by the Tzedukim. The Tzedukim, remember again, were people who did not believe in Tarshabalpeh. And the Tzedukim were always trying to undermine the legitimacy of Tarshabalpeh. One of the ways they did that was to discredit the rabbis, to say that they didn't know what they were talking about. So the Tzedukim often challenged the Rabbanim with riddles. And when the Rabbanim weren't able to answer the riddles, the Tzedukim said, ah, you see, so say, we're going to see now some of the Arias riddles that the Tzedukim went ahead and, went ahead and challenged the, the Rabbanim with. So here's the case, Rabbanim say, ach me'av velo me'em. So Rabbanim say, I am, I am a brother from a father, but not from the mother. V'hu ba'la de'em, but I'm also the husband of the mother. And I'm also ultimately, again, I am the daughter of the wife. So I'm all of these people. So we'll say, what, what's going on over here? Look at Rashi. Rashi explains the case over here. Ahi me'avi, my, my paternal brother, Noses imi, married my mother. Married my mother. So we'll say, so remember again, a paternal brother. So I don't, so I, I don't share the same, right? So Reuven and Shimon are paternal brothers. They don't share the same mother. So right, so now Reuven says, my brother Shimon married my mother. Right? So Achi mi avi, nasa esimi, hainu diyakov anas es isha. Okay. Vaholid bas, and then went ahead and had a daughter. Vinasa Reuven es anusas aviv, ubas Yaakov omeres came. So here's the case, right? So my brother from my father married my mother. So Hainu and he gives the name Yaakov. Ana says Isha, Yaakov violated a woman, holy Bas, went and had a daughter, Venusa Ruvain, and then ultimately again Ruvain, who's the son, married, S. Anusas Avid, married, right, the woman violated by his father, Obas Yaakov Omeres came, and the daughter of Yaakov is giving this marshal. Okay, so I'll say, so this is the case. All right, says, how could this happen? This is not in accordance with Rabbi Huda of our Mishnah, because remember again, Rabbi Huda of our Mishnah holds that it's mutter to go ahead and marry the woman violated by one's father. Fine. We'll say another, another riddle. Ahu, he is my brother. Ubarihu, he's also my son. Ah, Se'ana, I am his sister. 
And the one who goes ahead and the, the child who I'm holding on my shoulder, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Ahu, he is my brother. Barihu, he's also my son. Ach se'ana, and I am the sister. The one I'm holding on my shoulder. How could this happen? So simple answer is West Virginia, right? But then I will say, right? right? So I will say, so then I say, so after that, right? So how else? How else? Moshkachosla, ba'ovid kochavim haba'abito, right? I will say, so the other possibility, ultimately, this could come about with an Ovid Kochavim who has relations with his daughter. Okay, let's see, we're not going to go through all the mechanics of these cases, but these are the mashalim, right? Shalma lechabari, so I will say, so literally again, peace unto you, my son. Bas ach seikana, so I'm sorry, right? So, so peace unto you, my son. Bas ach seikana, I am the daughter of your sister. So I will say, how could that be? So right, mashkachasla, this could come up with a case, come up with a case ultimately of an Ovid Kochavim. I'm sorry? Abbaspito, thank you. Ovid Kochavabaspito. An Ovid Kocham has relations ultimately again with his granddaughter. Because it will say ultimately again in that case, then the offspring from that union could be the woman's son as well as her brother. Okay? So the Gemara says, Dilo Diloi Didalu Davlo. So again, I will say this is the opening of the riddle. To those of you who draw water from the well, let there be something, a riddle, that falls into your midst. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, I'm asking this riddle, right, to those who go ahead and work in the fields. I'm going to give you a riddle, that is impossible to decipher. What's the riddle? Here we go. The high didarina, this child that I am carrying, who bar, he is my son, va'ana biras, achua, but I am his brother's daughter. He is my son, but I am his brother's daughter. How could that happen? The case would be an Ovid Kochavim who has relations and has a child with the daughter of his son. Okay, bye bye, meach v'huav. So literally again, bye bye is oive, right? Oive, meach v'huav from my brother who is my father, v'hu bal and is my husband, v'hu bar bal and is the son of my husband, v'hu balo deim and he is the husband of my mother, v'ana barto de isese and I am the daughter of his wife. And yet, despite the fact that we're related on all of these different levels, right? He does not go ahead and give bread. Ultimately, again, to his brothers, who are the orphans, the sons of his daughter. So, okay, what's the case? The case over is an Obi Kochavim, who has relations with Right, who has relations with his mother, right? A son who has relations with his mother, and he has a daughter with her, and then he has relations again with that daughter. Then what happened? Then the grandfather comes along, has relations with this girl, ultimately again, and then has children with her. Okay, so I will say that's the case. That's the case. 
Ana ubas, you know, we'll say the interesting, the one thing you don't give for anniversary present in that family is a family tree. Right? So I'll say, right? That's the one thing you don't give. It's actually a very short tree. It, it actually doesn't go up. It just goes sideways. So I'll say, so, so the Gemara says, Ana, that, so I'll say, the, the saving grace is that all of these kids are over Gechavim. That's the saving grace. So I'll say, so Ana, that, Achi, so we'll say, you and I, you and I are siblings. Ana, v'avuch, Achi. And you and my, you and, and me and your father are siblings as well. Me and your mother are siblings. So I will say, how how could that happen? That a person could be siblings with the child and siblings with both of the parents. How could that happen? The case is as follows: Ovid Kochavim has relations with his mother. And he has two daughters with his mother. And then he has relations with one of his daughters, who remember again is also his what? Also his sister. And has a son. And ultimately, again, he calls, right, she will call herself the daughter of, excuse me, the sister of his mother, and that's how they refer to them. She will say that's how the case comes up. You and I are siblings, right? You and I are siblings. Me and your father are siblings. And ultimately, are also the son's siblings. So the Gemara says, the truth is, this you could find, really it means, meaning the children of siblings. You can actually find this case in a heter case, in a mutter case. Like Reuven who has two daughters. But this is actually a mutter case. So Reuven has two daughters. Shimon comes and marries one of the daughters. And then the son of Levi comes and marries one of them. So the Kamerlei braid the Shimon, Lebar braid the Levi. And ultimately, again, the son of Shimon is saying this ultimately to the son of the son of Levi. Good. So I will say, so these are all these crazy cases. These are the mashals. So I will say, so again, according to Rashi, this was just good old Arias trivia. Right? Good Arias trivia, according to Tosis, much more important. These are the mashal, these are the cases that the Tzdukim used to stump the Rabbanim, and therefore it was important that the Rabbanim be conversed in them. Good. Fantastic. Says the Mishnah, It's an interesting case. So let's see, I have a following situation. A Giyores who converts together with her children. So it's a very important case. So now you have a woman. We'll just call her Rachel. We'll call her Rachel. Right? Rachel has two sons, Yosef and Binyamin. Right? Rachel converts Right, and she her children convert with her, which means what? Which means what? Which means what? Her right, she has her children when she's not Jewish, right? So now she, the the family converts together, right? And what's the halacha now? Right, lo cholzin v'lo miyamin. So we'll say so now. Yosef and Binyamin grow up. They get married. They get married. Yosef dies without children. So what's the halacha? There is no yibum. There is no Yibam or Chalitza, right? So Binyamin doesn't do Yibam or Chalitza. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, Mishnah says, So there's no Chalitza, no Yibam. Even in a case where what? We'll say, let's, let's, let's put a wrinkle on the case. Let's say even where Rachel converted, and let's say when Rachel converted, she was pregnant with Yosef. She was pregnant with Yosef. She gives birth to Yosef after she converts. And then what? And Binyamin, Binyamin was conceived and birthed 
once she was already, once she was already Jewish, nevertheless, ultimately, again, there's still no Yibam and Chalitza. And I was saying, now, why is there no Yibam and Chalitza in that case? Why is no Yibam and Chalitza? Because the Maestro, I will say, remember again, since, since, since Binyamin, see, I will say, in case the one it's obvious, because remember again, Halacha Lamaisa, Yibam is established how? By paternal brothers, not by maternal brothers. So therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, again, in the first case, where Rachel had her children before she converted, right? So ultimately, again, so really Yosef and Binyamin are not paternal brothers. So therefore, again, even though they share the same mother, right? Lamaisa, again, they're not paternal brothers because they converted. The Mishnah's case is even if Lamaisa, let's say again, you know, Yosef was conceived when Rachel was not Jewish, but she birthed him when he was Jewish, which means he's a naturally born Jew. But Lamaisa's paternity is not intact, right? And therefore, again, Binyamin was conceived and was birthed with a Jewish mother and Jewish father. They're still not paternal brothers, right? Why not? Because remember again, Yosef was conceived when his mother was not Jewish, which means that he does not have a halachic connection to a father. There's no Yibam and Chalis in that case as well. And the same case would apply to a maidservant who was emancipated along with her servants. Shabbosay, let's analyze this case. Shabbosay, B'nai Yudan Amsa Ishtachar. Shabbosay, B'nai Yudan. So right, Yudan was the name of the Shifcha. So this, right, the sons of Yudan, the maidservant, were emancipated. Sharlu Rav Acha Rayakov Leminsav Nashi Ahadadi. And ultimately, Rav Acha Rayakov allowed the brothers to marry each other's wives. So there were two brothers. There are two brothers. They're emancipated. They're emancipated. So what happened? So what happened? So the Maisa again. Now let's say they both get married. They both get married. And I'm both say whatever the case is. Look at Rashi. No So I say the following case happened. The following case happened. Where Halacha Now the two sons grow up. They get married. They have kids. One of the brothers dies. The other brother decided he wants to marry the widow. It's not Yibam, obviously, because there are kids. Ultimately, again, Rav Achabayakov said it's mutter. Why did Rav Achabayakov say it's mutter? I will say, why? Because Gershin is Kayer Kekadan Shinola Dami. These brothers are not viewed as what? Brothers. They're not viewed as halachic brothers. And because they're not viewed as halachic brothers, therefore what? There's absolutely no restriction with them marrying each other's widows or divorcees or anything else like that. To which the Gemara says, Amrali Rava, Vaharav Sheshes Asr. I but Rav Sheshes said that it's Asr. See, Rabbi, what we're going to see is as follows. Rav Sheshes is the stringent view who holds that even though, even though when you convert, ultimately, See, when a person converts, do they have a biological, do they have a halachic connection to their father? The answer is no. But I will say, do they have a connection to their mother? So here's what's interesting. On one end, from a halachic perspective, the answer would seem to be no, right? Because lamaisa, again, lamaisa, again, when you convert, you're like a child reborn. But I will say, here's the thing with a mother. That relationship is 1,000% ironclad. Why? Because we know who your mother is. See, I will say, we know the woman that birthed them. So the, the relationship to a mother in halacha is always intact. Rav Sheshes, we're going to see, felt that when you have two brothers who share the same mother, right? Halacha we treat them like brothers. In other words, let me say this differently. Rav Shesh is going to hold that halacha even in a case. Let's go with the Mishnah's case. Let's go with the Mishnah's case. 
right? Rachel converts. Rachel is not Jewish. She's Rachel, right? She's not Jewish. She has two sons, right? Right, we'll call them Joe and Ben, right? And what happens? Rachel, Joe, and Ben convert. And now Baruch Hashem, who are they? Rachel, right? Yosef, and because that's a good conversion, right? And Binyamin, right? And Binyamin. So I both say, technically speaking, what's the relationship between Yosef and Binyamin to each other? None. What's the relationship to Rachel? None. Here's the problem. The problem is there is a relationship. Because we know that Rachel is their biological mother. So therefore, I will say, there's going to be a school of thought that says, we're going to treat them like brothers. We're going to treat them like brothers, l'chumra. And therefore, again, Rav Sheshus would say that if you have two brothers who we know share the same biological mother, they cannot marry each other's wives. They can't. There's no yibam and chalitza, right? Because Lamaisa, again, there's no yibam and chalitza, but we're going to treat them like they were paternal brothers and prohibit them from marrying each other's wives. Interesting Chumrah. So the Gemara says, let's go back there. So, so the Gemara says, I've, so they said, so they said, so both say, Yaakov allowed them to marry each other's wives. So they said to Rav Yaakov, I, but Rav Shesha said it's Aser. He said, fine. I'm going to lay, who Aser? Vana Sharina. That's fine. He's Machmir. I'm Mekel. I'm Mekel. So I'm going to say, here we go. So if you have two brothers who converted and they're only paternal brothers, but not maternal brothers, everyone agrees that what? They are mutter to marry each other's wives. Everyone agrees, right? So I'm going to say, why? Because Lamaise, again, everyone agrees that upon conversion, that relationship with a father, that right, is really severed. Because I'm going to say, there's another, there's another principle at play over here, which is, that we assume ovdei kochavim are immoral. So therefore, again, in general, paternity by ovdei kochavim is always shrouded in some level of ambiguity. So when they convert, if they're only paternal brothers, halachically, that relationship does not carry over in any way. We don't look at them as brothers, right? So the Gemara says, mina velo mina av, but if you have two brothers who are maternal brothers, kule ama lo pligi de'aser. Everyone agrees that what? Everyone agrees that they're Aser. Rabbi say, Aser, now look at Rashi. Rabbi say, Aser means they can't marry each other's wives. I, I don't mean when they're married to each other, it's upon death or divorce. They can't marry each other's wives because Rabbi say, we're concerned that people are going to confuse that case, ultimately again with cases of Jewish parents. Keep Ligi, where's the Machlokas? Mina'av u Mina'im. Rabbi say, this is fascinating, where's the Machlokas? The machlokis is when you have brothers who are related both maternally and paternally. Man dishari, the one who says that it's mutter. And I will say the case is where they're converting. So I will say what's that play over here is they're converting. So I will say, so now we have in general, we say, So in reality, that relationship is really no longer in existence. But the shayla is we have to be concerned about confusion. So I will say, so if they're just related paternally, everyone agrees. There's no relation. If they're agreed, if they're related maternally, everyone agrees that there's an Isser. I so where's the Machlokis? So fascinating. Where's the Machlokis? When they are both maternal and paternal brothers. So watch this. So the Gemara says, So Mandishar, the one who says it's mutter, Basar Abashadinale. We look at them as paternally related, and therefore again it's everything is mutter. So the Gemara says. Because I will say people are normally known by the name of their father. But Rav 
And Avshesha says, no, they're also known as a son of the mother. And therefore, Allah, they can't marry each other's wives. Others say, so says, that's the Machlokas. Others say, Others say, argues even by, even by maternal brothers. What's the reason why he would permit? Ultimately, again, because a, a ger who converts is like a katan, ultimately, again, who is reborn. So I will say, you just, I just want to point out something really fascinating that's unfolding over here. Salah Lamaisa. Rabbi say, up until I learned this sugya, we would have always assumed that everyone agrees that what? When a person converts, what's their familial status? What's their familial status? What do we call it? Unaffiliated. Familial status? None. None. So Rabbi say, we're being introduced to something fascinating over here. That when you have an intact family unit that converts, meaning a mother and two sons, or, or more, two sons or more sons, that in halakha, we look at that as an intact family unit. And we are concerned, and therefore what our Mishnah is saying is that halakha lamaisa, those brothers can't marry each other's wives. So the Mishnah is saying, there's no din of yibam, no din of chalitza. That's obvious, there's no din of yibam and chalitza. Why is that obvious? Why is that obvious? Because it only applies to paternal brothers. What it's saying is no yibam and chalitza, but they're not, they're not permitted to marry each other's wives, which is really fascinating. Why are we concerned? Because I want to say we're concerned that if there's, that if there's a, a familial unit of brotherhood that exists and brothers are permitted to marry each other's wives, then what? People would confuse that with other what we'll call natural-born Jewish families. See, Rabbi because at the end of the day, people don't always know details. All they see is what? What do they know? Brothers. And if they see brothers marrying each other's widows or divorcees, they're going to draw erroneous conclusions. So I both say, let's analyze. So let's go back to a little bit. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, um, good. Good. Oh, I lost the place. Good. Tanan. So what's we learn in the Mishnah? Learn the Mishnah. Let's at least read this line. We'll probably from tomorrow. Tonight, Hagiyoroshin is Karibanaima. Woman converts together with her children. There's no chalitza, no yibam. So we'll say, so again, just to play this out. Rachel converts with her sons Yosef and Binyamin. Yosef dies without children, right? Binyamin does not do yibam or chalitza. So my time, what's the reason? Lav mishum da'asiri. It's because ultimately, so we'll say, why is, no, why is there no yibam, no lo chalitza? Because ultimately, again, Binyamin is not permitted to marry Yosef's widow. To which the Gemara says, no. You know why there's no yibam and chalitza? De'ena betoras chalitza ve'yibam. V'sharia la'alma. They both say, the reason there's no yibam and chalitza is because there's no yibam and chalitza, because they're not paternal brothers. And what it means is, when we say there's no yibam and chalitza, what it means is that when Yosef dies and he leaves behind a childless widow, or, or Yosef dies childless and leaves behind the widow, who is she permitted to marry? Who is she permitted to marry? Anyone she wants. And not only that, the inhu nami sharu. They both say, included in marrying anyone she wants. Who else could she marry? Binyamin as well. Right, Binyamin as well. I, vahoka tani afilu. I, but it says afilu. What do you do with vafilu haurasa sharishon? Right, the second case says afilu. Iyamit bishlama asiri hainu diktani afilu. If you say that the first case in the Mishnah, see, I just want to show you what's happened over here. Seismic shift. You felt it, right? Seismic shift. say, what happened? Let's just say this outside for just a moment. We spoke about the first case. What was the first case in the Mishnah? It's very exciting. What's the first case in the Mishnah? 
First case, Mishnah. Rachel converts, right? Rachel converts with her two sons, Joe and Ben. She becomes Rachel Yosef Binyamin. Beautiful. Mazel tov. What happens? Yosef Binyamin grow up. Baruch Hashem. They become doctors. This is a good Jewish story. Right? They become doctors. Right? They go out and they get married. They get married. Then what happens? Yosef dies without children. What does the Mishnah say? What's that? the Mishnah? Right? No yib, no chalitza. Okay? So I will say, the way we understood that up until now was what, what does that mean? That Yosef and Binyamin, as much as they're, are they real brothers? No. Halachically, they're not real brothers. Do they share the same mother halachically? Biologically, yes. Halachically, no. Right? Halachically, no. Halachically, no. But the Mishnah is coming to teach you is because there is an intact brother kite. Right? We have to be careful about allowing them to marry each other's wives and creating a situation of, of confusion in other situations of brothers. I will say now, seismic shift. The Gemara says, no, that's not what it means. Right? That's not what it means. Rather, I will say, what, what does it mean? Perhaps what it means is like this. There's no Yibam and Chalitza. Why is there no Yibam and Chalitza? I will say, why is there no Yibam and Chalitza? Why? Why? Because they're not paternal brothers. And in fact, they're not really even what? They're not really even halachically brothers. So the Mishnah says there's no Yibam and Chalitza. And who is Yosef's widow permitted to marry? Anyone she wants, including Binyamin. Including Binyamin. So we'll have to stop over here for today. But we'll pick up again. So now about that we are left with two ways to read the Mishnah. Is the Mishnah telling me that Yosef's widow, there's no Yibam and Chalitza, but she can't marry Binyamin? Or are we saying there's no Yibam and Chalitza, Therefore, she can marry anyone she wants, even Binyamin. Emir Sashanabose to be continued, and Halacha Lamaisa tomorrow. Shkoyach.